Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Episode 21. Hi there, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Dublin Story Slam podcast. It's the first one of a new year, but it's also the first one of a brand new decade. So uh, we're excited to see what this will sound like in 10 years time when we listen back to it. Because we fully intend that we're going to be sticking around uh, that long. So hello, future me. Okay, my name is Julian Clancy and I am the producer of the Dublin Story Slam. And the Dublin Story Slam is this amazing, wonderful community that we spent the last three years building up here in Dublin. It's an open mic storytelling night that takes place in the Sugar Club every month and it's hosted by the amazing Colm O'Regan. And it's become this incredible night out, but it's also become a real community. And the theme for this episode was the theme for our last Story Slam. It was friendship. We were delighted uh, to be back with our friends at First Fortnight. And if you haven't heard of First Fortnight, it is a mental health arts festival. With First Fortnight, we've been creating story slams that usually tie into the festival and this year the theme was friendship so on this episode we are going to bring you not one not two not three but four stories recorded from that night so our first story comes from a last minute sign up mr barry lane who very 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 tentatively popped his name in the hat and suddenly found his name being picked out of the hat in the first half. So uh, fair play to you, Barry, for getting up and sharing this story that, you know what, it sounded like you had spent years and years rehearsing this, but no, it was all done with about two or three minutes notice. So this is our first story of 2020, and it comes from Barry Lane. Okay. Well, this is interesting. I put my name forward about 10 minutes ago, and I was told I'd be told at the break if I was in or out. So can we say, we'll take it as... We'll take it as in, okay. (laughs) My story of friendship, when I was thinking is, how far should you go with your friend? How much should you do for your friend? And what is a test of true friendship loyalty? I was out drinking, as I do now and then, with this particular friend, and he punched me in the arm, and he said, Bazar, need a wingman. Now, we all know 
Wingman, let's face it, is probably the most thankless task when you're on a night out. Because the person you're talking to knows the only reason you are talking to them is so your mate can get to their mate. And that your job is basically just to clear them out of the way. <laughs> My friend had his spiel all worked out. He's a published author. So he had a backpack with about 20 copies <laughs> of this book. And he would reach in, and whichever one didn't have any beer spilled on it or the corners of that one, he would give it a rub with his sleeve, and he would march up to a girl, and he'd tell her that he wrote this. This particular girl... <laughs> this time he had his eye on two girls who were in a group of three. So the one he didn't have his eye on, he wanted me to take out the equation as his pal. And I was quite actually to do this, because in my reckoning... Number three was actually, she was quite nice. Um, so I went over as his mate and started to chat. And I soon learned her name was Sabine. She was from Paris. She worked as a consultant for a high-powered auditor firm. She was extremely attractive. She was extremely rich. And she looked at me like she was some, I was something that was inside her shoe on a hot day. <laughs> The conversation was flowing like absolute wet cement between the two of us. <laughs> Nowhere. In the meantime, my friend had reached into his bag and he had given each of the two girls a copy of his book. So, and one of them was on the foreword and the other one was on chapter three, I think it was. And he was doing a good job. And I was chatting to Sabine and she had been in Dublin for four weeks. We were going nowhere. Until finally... I said, well, what have you done since you got here in the last four weeks? I said, oh, not very much. I was in a bar last night. I was watching Liverpool on the TV. <laughs> I thought, my eyebrows went, you support Liverpool Football Club? I support Liverpool Football Club. You never saw a nice maiden melt so fast in all your life. Her arm came, you support Liverpool? Jürgen Klopp, I want to have his babies. I burst in, I said, me too. <laughs> and suddenly, the conversation, we went from wet cement to tsunami. <laughs> suddenly, we were analysing every last game that had been played this season. Should he have played Salah and Mane up front? Should he have gone four across the back, five across the back? My friend, the author, on the other hand, was not doing so well. Apparently, the ladies that he had pressed his books on were more into fiction than non-fiction and had returned his two books. <laughs> he gave me a tap on his arm. Time to move on, Barry. Unfortunately, I was now talking to the leading candidate to be the next Mrs. Lane, should the, should the vacancy arrive. <laughs> so, like a good mate, I ignored him. <laughs> and I kept talking. We were now revisiting. Now... We tend to make football, and taking a risk here, because I only prepared this speech two minutes ago. <laughs> Ladies, you do tend to make fun of us guys when we talk about the sport. But it is brilliant because, let's face it, it, in, it means we don't have to talk about our feelings. <laughs> we don't have to talk. We can just enjoy the company of somebody. And I've now had the chance to enjoy the company of a stunningly beautiful lady talking about football. I mean, this was just, wow. <laughs> My poor friend had completely crashed and burned 
wreckage tumbling head over heels down the rugby. He punched me in the arm a little bit loud. Stuffing. Barry, we're moving. I just ignored the bollocks and kept talking. <laughs> Until finally he stepped between the two of us. I said, would you two effing stop talking about the football? <laughs> I did some exaggerated facial expressions. But while I was still working on my facial expressions, my new best buddy, Sabine, she stood and she stuck her face into his face. She said, we are not talking about football, you Irish bastards. We are talking about family. <laughs> my not so good friend anymore turned on his heel and left. And I ended up spending the rest of the evening until I went home to my wife. <laughs> Strictly parental guidance, folks. Come on, please, 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 please. With a lady who has now become a good friend, as we have bonded over our fellow love of our Liverpool Football Club, soon to end its 30-year, God forbid, wait for the championship. Unless Trump starts World War III. So, look, my good friend Sabine is now my good Liverpool buddy. My ex... Well, he's still a pal, just, but he's never asked me to be his wingman again. I'm sorry, look. But plenty of fish in the sea. Football comes first. Thank you. Yeah. Barry Lane there with a story of friendship found in the most unlikely of places and all created through a common love for soccer. Our next story of the evening comes from a previous Grand Slam winner. Her name is Daisy McCarthy. Now, before we begin Daisy's story, there is a few references in here that Irish audiences will get. But for our listeners who are are listening in from from overseas, um, just a few little pointers. Mickey Finn's is a alcoholic drink. The Late Late Show is one of the longest running TV chat shows in the world. And it goes out here on RTE. Um, what else do you need to know? Jedward. Jedward were a phenomenon in this country. Um, they were twins who went through to the Eurovision and were renowned for their gravity-defying haircuts. They also completely charmed the socks off the entire nation in the, in the process of going to the Eurovision. And I think that's it. So this is Daisy McCarthy with her story about friendship. And happily, it's a friendship that still continues to this day. Here's Daisy. Um, uh, This is a story about uh, myself and my friend Evelyn, who back in 2007, we had a dream. And that dream was to go to the Eurovision. Um, Not just go to the Eurovision, represent Ireland in the Eurovision. Um, It was an innocent time. It was a time uh, before kind of YouTube and social media, and there was only four channels on the TV, and one of the channels had a a talent show called Eurostar, and the winner got to go to Eurovision. Um, uh, And, you know, why not us? Now, we weren't a shoe-in. We we were in third-year college by this time, and um, we had failed the first-round audition for the UCC Choral Society. Um, (laughs) 
So singing wasn't our strong suit, um, but undeterred, we knew that really the impact in Eurovision is, is how you look. And I had spent the summer in Kenya um, and I uh, had filled my bag with loads of um, <laughs> tribal necklaces, porcupine, and I got bespoke um, pants that were zebra and leopard print. This was um, before cultural uh, appropriation. <laughs> we just thought we looked shit hot. Um, and, um, and then there was the song, and we thought, um, because of uh, problems with uh, actual talent, we'd piggyback on the back of a previous success. So the first manufactured pop band on TV in Ireland was um, Six, um, and they sang A Whole Lot of Lovin', so we called ourselves Two. Um, <laughs> and learnt the words. And, and then just to distract, um, we thought we would do a very elaborate dance routine. I can't remember all of it, um, but I know that it ended with us cartwheeling over each other. And we never once landed on our feet. Um, uh, uh, so uh, the day came, I borrowed a car from my parents, didn't tell them what we were doing, but, um, and uh, we got up at five uh, in the morning and drove to Galway. Um, and uh, I, I can't remember all the day, but I know that at eight, when we were queuing up, Evelyn got out a hip flask and uh, poured herself uh, some green Mickey fins um, <laughs> to calm her nerves. And, uh, and when we told the producers our act, they put us in the special queue for people who would get auditioned twice. Um, so we were, knew we were in the big time. Um, uh, and it was seven hours um, between before we actually uh, auditioned uh, for on the TV. Um, and by then, we were sweaty. Uh, we were high in adrenaline. We were hoarse from bonding with um, the other famouses, the other competitors. Um, and we went in, and there was uh, Brendan O'Connor and uh, Michelle Heaton and Frank McNamara, the pianist from The Late Late Show. So we knew this was our moment, you know. <laughs> And we did it, we gave it socks. And afterwards, um, there was a stunned silence. Um, and, and Michelle Heaton said, and is that what six were like? And, and Brendan said, yeah, pretty much. Um, but this has added special effects. And so, um, and then he actually started to take us seriously. And he said, do you know any other song that you could sing standing still? And the only other song we knew from school choir was uh, Garth Brooks' The River. So we, we took turns to sing that. And, and Michelle, and then he was trying to persuade Michelle that we had it, whatever it was. And, and she just kept on saying, no, louder and louder until she said if, if we let them through all the fools in Ireland will audition next year um, so listen we left with our heads held high um, and we made our way home um, and two months later we sat and we saw ourselves for three and a half minutes on on the television. Um, it was a glorious moment. Um, and uh, we, um, we then, our phones started bleeping with texts from um, our fans, we call them. Um, <laughs> uh, and the next day, actually, Evelyn stayed out, stayed, uh, uh, she didn't go to college because she was waiting for a call from Louis Walsh. And I, I joke you not, I actually saw this email just the other week. I wrote an email to someone and the email address was songwriters at songwriters.iol.ie and I said, pop group two urgently require up-tempo, up-tempo song um, with catchy lyrics for demo and ultimately Eurovision. Um, 
and we didn't get the song and and Louis didn't call us but um but it was the year for us of 21st and um and for that whole year often unasked we would re-perform the live action replay um and it was initially gas and then it got irritating um and then we got irritating and then we started getting a bit irritating to each other so so we did have to go our own way uh for a bit um uh and uh against the odds we uh we resorted to plan b and and got our degrees um and um somehow got jobs and funnily enough we got kind of semi-similar life trajectories we stayed in touch but kind of doing our own things um we left ireland for a bit i went to scotland she to new zealand we came back um uh and um we uh were looking around for the pool of potential um, mates and we had burned all our bridges with any um any irish man of, of sound mind because um <laughs> of the cartwheeling fool acting for five years. Uh, so we had to uh, set our sights for further afield. And, um, and so we found, as they call them in North Cork, foreign men. Um, <laughs> and Evelyn, um, and this is, this is true too, in, um, when she got engaged, there was a two-prayed spread in the Corkman um, uh, of them, a profile, and the, the, the headline was, When Two Cultures Collide. Um, he, was, he was from France. Um, but I did wonder myself, hmm, what culture should I collide with? Um, and, oh, after a while, it, it ended up to be Brazil. So there you go. Um, our, two, our two now husbands. Um, funny, uh, neither of them understood us when we first started dating. And by the time they did, it was too late when they, when they understood our errant nonsense. Um, and we also, um, wait till we really lock them down before showing them the video of, of Eurostar. <laughs> Um, and, and so time uh, goes by, um, and, um, and we are lucky in many ways, but also the older you get, the more, you know, what you want to do in your day and life and what you need to do have very little overlap between your to-do lists um, and, you know, coping with families and jobs. Um, Evelyn's a mum. Um, and uh, uh, we still, and, and sometimes, you know, I mean, that's the other thing. Life uh, sucker punches you, and it has both of us. And sometimes you roll with it. And, uh, and sometimes it's just so tiring who you have to be and what you have to do in every day. You're just like, can I actually get out of bed this morning? And sometimes, you know, in those like wintry days when you're do- trying to cram the, sh- the bags for the big shop into, into your car, I do take a moment and I think, geez, would life have been all rainbows and spotlight if we turned out to be Jedward, you know? <laughs> Um, and so I see each, we see each other a bit. I'm, she lives close to, to my parents, so whenever I go home, I see her. And when we see each other, um, we're just, you know, really we're just 19-year-old Daisy and Ev. We're not, um, we're not semi-functional 33-year-olds trudging through our week. Um, and uh, the, uh, that Christmas, you know, Christmas is Christmas and dealing with it. And, um, and I, I went over, and me and her, her mom and, and Ev... We're skitting to each other about life and what we got up to in that. And, um, 
and I realized that that uh, like oh my god my my cheeks were sore from laughing after I spent the three hours with her with them both um and I realized that actually whenever we do get to see each other because we were joined at the hip and now it's a couple of times well, I don't know four or five times a year and when I do um we really it's really good because we remember who we were and actually we remind ourselves who we are um and uh, and I think that that's more of a prize than 12 points from France in 2008 imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with bowl and branches organic cotton sheets in a recent customer survey 96% replied that bowl and branch sheets get softer with every wash start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come try their sheets with a 30 night guarantee plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com code buttery exclusions apply see site for details Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us we brought in a reverse auctioneer which is apparently a thing Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless ready to get 30 30 ready to get 30 ready to get 20 20 20 ready to get 20 20 ready to get 15 15 15 15 just 15 bucks a month so give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees promo rate for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com hold up what was that Boring, no flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. That was Daisy McCarthy there. And uh, hopefully those references um, made sense uh, that we mentioned at the beginning of her story. Daisy is our 2017 Grand Slam champion. Daisy also took part in our radio documentary, uh, which I am currently just taking a break from. And it'll be presented by last year's Grand Slam champion, Kerry Ward. It features highlights of the Grand Slam from last year. So it'll be two hours, it'll be four stories in each hour, but you also get to meet the storytellers, find out a little bit about how they, they kind of put their stories together, but also just what storytelling means to them. And so that'll be coming out at the end of this month. Um, it'll be RTE Radio 1 Extra, uh, which you can find online, but then we'll be podcasting it here afterwards. So don't worry, you'll, you'll definitely get to hear it. Okay, so now we're going to do something kind of different. Uh, we're going to take an ad break. So you may or may not hear an ad right now. Welcome back to the podcast. Our next story is from Amelia Gunorich. And Amelia got up and told this story, which was like a tonic for the audience on the night. And it's just a tonic to hear somebody pay tribute to a friend who's still alive and well and, and, and there's nothing wrong with them. 
uh, we get a lot of stories that are tributes and love letters um, to people, but they're usually gone. They're no longer with us. So what I love the most about this is that this is a friendship that is, again, like Daisy's, it's still alive, well and kicking. Um, it just really touches your heart. And it comes from Amelia Gunaridge. Hello. Uh, my name is Amelia. I'm going to clarify this quickly. I'm from Australia. No more questions. Okay. <laughs> um, this is a story about my friendship with my best friend in the world. Her name is Sophia. And it's also kind of a letter to her, I guess, for she's very far away and she means a lot to me. Uh, I first met her um, like in the second week of school. She was in my maths class. Um, I was 11 years old, and I just remember she was like the loudest person I've ever seen, if a person can be visually loud, you know, she was just very powerful in her energy, and it was very intimidating because I'm this, you know, so I'm very um, nervous, and then I was also very scrawny, but she kind of sensed this and adopted me as her yang, she was the yin, I don't really know which ones those are, but um, she took me under her wing anyway, and we became the best of friends. We spent all of our time together, and I found that in a lot of ways, we're actually really similar, even though I kind of saw her as this more powerful, um, energetic, effervescent version of myself. You know, we also liked all the same movies, had the same sense of humor, and, you know, I mean, I could spend all of my time with her. Um, but that also meant that, you know, as young women do, we, I kind of felt very competitive with her. She was very smart, um, she was beautiful. I mean, I'll never forget one of my all-time biggest crushes sidling up to me, looking deeply into my eyes and saying, I think I'm in love with Sophia. And I was like, oh! <laughs> I was like, well, she's kind of like me, so... Uh, but <laughs> anyway, um, so we would fight all the time, viciously, actually. You know, it was kind of like Ross and Rachel, but friends. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, I didn't really realize at the time, because I was young, that that's kind of something that kind of society encourages women to do, is to measure yourself up against everyone you're around and say, surely I'm good enough, I must be good enough in comparison with this person, you know, like I need to be better than that person even in order to be likable by any other people. And I remember when we were 14, we had this big fight, the big fight, and um, it was over something incredibly stupid. Um, it was a history project, and I felt like I was doing more work than her. Um, you know, the classic competitive, like, I felt like I needed to be recognized more than she was. And so I called her up, and I informed her um, quite succinctly, Sophia? She goes, yeah. I'm like, we are no longer friends. She goes, okay. <laughs> I was like, well, she took that pretty well, actually. I hung up the phone, went about my life, and I was like, good for you, Amelia. You know, like, you, you, know, you really stuck it to her, and uh, whatever that means. And um, then two weeks later, she came up to me, and she was like, we're friends again. And I was like, oh. <laughs> I was like, I really thought I had it that time. You know, but the funny thing is, like, after that big fight where I really, like, you know, expressed all of my frustration at her, we, like, never fought again. Like, the years that came after that, you know, I just stopped seeing her that way. And I think as I got older, I also started realizing a lot of things about myself and the way that I felt towards women in general was pretty negative. And so because we were so similar, the way I felt towards her was pretty negative. 
I wanted to love her, but I couldn't because she was too much like me. So that was hard. And then as I got older and she showed me endless love and endless patience, I came to realize that I could be that way towards myself as well and towards other women, you know? I didn't have to be judging them. I didn't have to be looking at them like there was always something stupid wrong with them. And I did not have to look at myself that way. Fighting with her felt like constantly banging my head against a mirror and having the shards shatter in your own face. Um, I remember when we were 17, maybe, it was one of the worst days of my life. I used to have a lot of problems. And um, I sat on the grass in my backyard with her, and we held hands, and we cried together. And I really just felt like in that moment, without even speaking, you know, she just knew. She just reached into my soul, and she just said, um, if you go, well, what about me, you know? And I just, it was a moment where I knew that I had this connection with someone that should never be severed, you know? And so a few months ago, I was back in Australia sitting with her, and we had this moment that I feel summarized our whole friendship. I had a dumb fight with someone, and I was really upset about it, and I was just talking to her. And she was just listening. She was applying her makeup, you know, just getting ready for the day. And she just kind of like nodded and looked over, and she didn't say anything. She just like, well, first she finished her eyeliner because that's very important. And then she put down her um, eyeliner, and she just put her hand on my hand, and she just went. She just kind of gave me a look, and I just felt calm. I just felt understood and seen, and that it was all going to be, it was all going to be okay. And it kind of made me realize that, you know, throughout your life, there are people beyond your parents who raise you and make you into the person that you are, who show you comfort and understanding and love even when you feel ugly and gross and broken and unlovable. Like when you're in a fight with someone and you feel like maybe you can never be right with anyone ever again. You know, they show you that you're wrong and that, you know, you're okay. And so if she ever gets to hear this, I just want to say to her, um, Sophia, I'm really proud of you and thank you for raising me. That's it. Yeah. That was Amelia Gunerich there with, as I said, a gorgeous tribute uh, to her friend. And wherever your friend is, Amelia, we, we hope that she gets to hear it. Okay, on to our last story of the night. And this one was, again, a last-minute sign-up. It comes from Maraid Murphy. And originally, this story was told at Maraid's mother's funeral. Maraid wanted to tell a story that would make people laugh, but, you know, would also kind of capture a little bit of the magic that was her mum. So we thought it was a beautiful way to to finish off the the, the evening. Uh, And to finish off this podcast, we have been hearing stories of friendship. So let's finish off with just one more story. This is Maraid Murphy. Good evening. Uh, So theme of friendship tonight, I wanted to tell you a little story about my mammy and her friends. Oh, She was a lovely mammy and she had loads of friends and she had friends since they were very, very young. I don't know how she kept them. I must be a bit of a bitch, but... <laughs> she was great at keeping things. Like, our gas oven was 62 years old, which was longer than she had my dad. <laughs> but a few years ago, I saw her friends in action and uh, she was at 
a nephew's wedding. And, oh, she was fierce excited about it. Nothing like a Kerry wedding, really, do you know? <laughs> well, except for a Kerry funeral, but we'll come to that a bit later on. And in the middle of the wedding mass, my mother, who wasn't a well woman, slumped forward, her hands gone from the prayerful pose, her head down, and her friend said, Mary, are you all right? Shush, the elastic's gone in my tights. I'm trying to get them off. <laughs> in the middle of a church, and they just covered her, and she got the tights off. And, you know. Anyway, later on, at the afters of the wedding, I was very protective of her. At this stage, it was a sad old stage of her life. She, was, she had a little, little card, and every time the ambulance came to take her away, they'd stamp it. So, at this stage, she was getting free lifts in ambulances. And my dad was already in another, in a home with Alzheimer's and so on. So, anyway, this guy that I didn't know... Now, usually, you know, you don't know all your mammy's friends, because I live up here, and she, she lived down in Kerry and so on. But this guy came over and asked her to dance. And I didn't know who he was, and I was very, very protective. I was like a cross-dressing bouncer watching him. I said, please be careful, she's very fragile, you know. But Mum was smiling at him. She was a small, butty little woman like myself. Plenty of Kerrygold in those cardiac arteries. <laughs> and she, she seemed to be happy enough to go with him. So off she toddled, anyway, with her little, almost hairless legs. And on the dance floor, he put his arms around her. And they swayed, oh, so slowly. And she was looking up at him, smiling, and he was looking down at her, chatting. And he had beautiful laughter lines. He was a bit older than myself, about the 40. <laughs> and when the dance finished, he kissed her on her forehead. And he handed her back to me. And as we waddled back down through the tables and chairs, I said, Jesus, Mum, Who's your man? He was gorgeous. She said, ah, that's Gerard, one of Mackie Shea's undertakers. Not so much slow dancing as measuring me up. <laughs> Sad bit. 18 months later, Mammy's frequent flyer card finally was called on. And she died in my arms after a good life well-lived, in fairness. And who do you think came up to collect her mortal remains but Jer, the undertaker? He took my dead, stroked-out mammy down to the funeral home. He did her makeup. He put on the best colour on her. He applied just the right amount of eyeshadow and lipstick and made her look 20 years younger than she did. Now that, ladies and gentlemen, is a friend. <laughs> that was Maureen Murphy there, with possibly one of the shortest uh, stories, just around the four minute mark, but Maureen won that night, hands down. So she will be going on to take part in the Dublin Story Winter Grand Slam in 2020. So that will take place at the end of this year. We 
are delighted to announce that we do have a brand new Grand Slam that is going to be coming up. It's our spring Grand Slam and it's going to be taking place in the round room in the Mansion House as part of St. Patrick's Festival uh, here in Dublin, which, you know, you may or may not have heard about. It'll be March 16th. Tickets will be on sale at the end of this month. Sign up to the mailing list. I cannot stress this enough. We email you then a ticket link when it goes live. And then hopefully you'll be lucky enough to secure yourself a a ticket. Thanks a million for listening. We hope that you've enjoyed these stories of friendship. We hope that you're going to go out and reach out, find your own friend, maybe reconnect with one from your past, or maybe just tell a friend how much you love them. (laughs) Okay, that is enough from me. I will talk to you on the next episode of the Dublin Story Slam podcast. Thanks a million for listening, and we'll chat to you then. Bye. The Dublin Story Slam podcast is part of The Warren, the home of great Irish podcasts. As is my podcast, Meet Your Maker. You'll find loads of great shows at thewarren.ie. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.